Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Sam Matterface and I was alongside Alex Crook and Danny Murphy as we sat in for Jim and Simon today. We look back on Manchester City's brilliant first leg victory over Bayern Munich and also spoke to broadcaster Konstantin Egner on what the reaction has been like in Germany. We asked if Manchester City could win the treble this season and we questioned whether Jude Bellingham joining Liverpool is now looking increasingly unlikely. Danny, what a game that was last night. It was absolutely terrific, wasn't it? Until the second goal went in, it was very even as well. Uh, But Manchester City was sensational. The level of football, the level of play, defensively, creatively, technically. I mean, you're watching some of the best players on the planet last night. Two brilliant teams. City were absolutely relentless. Second half, they just got stronger, they looked fit, they looked hungry. I mean, the back four as well, the little tweak he made, I was thinking, why is he tweaking it again? But it worked. (laughs) Kenji was outstanding. And Stones is playing the best football of his career, arguably. You know, he just... It's amazing, isn't it? it? It's just phenomenal. I think we all sort of sat there and thought to ourselves... Is he really making another tactical tweet going into the Champions League game? <laughs> <laughs> is this the wisest thing to do? But that idea of Stone sort of playing half in midfield, mm. half in the back four was absolutely terrific to watch, wasn't it? I mean, you have to concede, don't you, that uh, this is probably one of the best Manchester City sides that Pep Guardiola has been able to fill. Do you think he's helped by the fact that there's not that many other ways he could tinker with the team because of the lack of depth in the squad now. Yeah, we spoke about this yesterday, didn't we? The fact that Foden's unavailable, the fact maybe because of the departures in the summer and letting Cancelo go, the Manchester City squad maybe isn't as deep as it has been previously, but that that makes it easy because it means he he knows week in, week out what his best eleven is. I was impressed with Jack Grealish again as well. Obviously got a lot of stick last season. Was he a £100 million player? Was he living up to the price tag? I think he's looking at a £100 million player now if such a thing exists. And you have to say that was one of the best performances the Champions League has ever seen. You know, because Bayern Munich are no mugs. It's not a vintage Bayern Munich side, but they went there and they competed and they just couldn't handle the juggernaut that is Manchester City. I said it yesterday, watching last night, only underlines that opinion. If City don't win the Champions League this season, they might never win it because... They are just a fantastic, awesome side. 
It's one of those performances that takes your breath away. And it actually was quite, uh, I don't know, intense inside the stadium. So much so that the manager, Pep Guardiola, said afterwards he was emotionally drained and he didn't know how he was going to uh, uh, recover from it because it just took so much out of him. Let's hear from him. This is what he said after a performance, which was really a privilege to bear witness to. So if we don't do our game, everything can happen. Another game, I would tell you, I don't know, but then... The most important thing, the players who was on the pitch and I think off the pitch in the bench and see the performance of Bayern Munich, it's not necessary to tell them all the warnings because I know it's going to happen. Of course, it's a good result. Really, really good. The, the group stage and the, all games he played Bayern Munich so far have been outstanding. But you have 95 minutes. I've been there many, many times, three years there. And I know in Europe, this team is special. And you have to be... Good, good performance to, to 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 knock out this type of teams. You have to make two good games, not just one. It was fascinating to listen to him afterwards. Um, he knows that there's still work to do when they go to the Allianz Arena uh, in a week's time. There's no way of a comeback, is there, Danny? No, no, no. I I think um, they'll have a good go at it, and even if they got the first goal, but they're going to have to go so gung ho that City will open them up. Trying to, trying to score three against City is hard enough never mind trying to keep the back door closed and we saw last night you know at, at times it was end to end they both create chances because they've got such wonderful players absolutely no chance no chance of a comeback uh, Danny uh, it was interesting tactically to watch how Pep Guardiola managed to get the better of Thomas Tuchel just explain to those who didn't see the game or didn't notice the nuances exactly what he did which changed it up well they <laughs> He played John Stones in the middle of a back four, but allowed him the freedom to go into midfield when he wanted, um, which then allows one of the central midfield players, usually Gundogan, to push further up. You've already got De Bruyne higher up supporting Haaland, and then you've got the width of Grealish and Bernardo Silva, which I thought I thought Bernardo Silva kept his width tremendously well, considering he's so terrific. used to playing more centrally. Thought he played that was another good decision by Pep. So then, what you're relying on is the is the technical ability of your players to keep the ball under high high press because both teams tried at times tried to press the ball as you would. So City dealt with it better, and I I think one of the main differences in the game it wasn't so much an overload as some brilliant tactical plan. It was that City's creative players were better than Munich's in the final third. Because they had a couple of half chances, Munich, and they got in some good positions, but the final pass or the final shot, whereas City... I mean, if you look at, for example, a great example would be Bernardo Silva's goal, Haaland's pass. You know, he's not snatching at that shot from an angle where you think she should be breaking the net. He's already seen Bernardo Silva coming on the back. It was was an amazing pass, by the way. I didn't know he had it in him. I'm so pleased that you brought that up because my esteemed colleague sitting not too far away from you said on the Game Day podcast (laughs) the other week that apart from goal scoring, he does nothing else. And basically, if he didn't put the ball in the net with the regularity that he did, he would be a donkey. Uh, But to (laughs) see that pass and have the technical ability to complete it was particularly impressive. But I think, Sam, um, Sam, just quickly on the other thing, I think one of the other things which was a great example is, you know, when you have individual battles on any football match at any level, when you look at people like, you know, Akanji against Sane physically really got after him whereas you look at maybe Grealish wasn't bullied by Pavard no he couldn't he's too strong for him Musiala who's a wonderful I mean an amazing talent physically got manhandled a little bit by Rodri well that's another big sort of advance for Pep Guardiola isn't it you know it's not just about those slight little players anymore he's added physicality to his group and as a result of that they looked stronger they looked as if they could handle themselves in that game last night and they didn't look bullied by Bayern Munich Uh, Crook can they win the treble 
<laughs> Fair they might. I'm, I'm glad we skirted over your your Harlan comment, by the way. Well done, Danny. I, I owe you a beer for that. Um, I think they can. Your, your Harlan comment, not anybody else's. <laughs> I think I think they can. We, we were looking at their run in uh, before we came on air. Apart from Arsenal, and you would expect them to beat Arsenal at home because they're so imperious at their own ground. Their running in the Premier League is favourable. I think they could easily win every game in that competition between now and the end of the season. They will beat Sheffield United. Brighton away is a tough in one in the FA Cup semi-final. Brighton away could be a tough yeah, one. It could be, but it depends when it falls because yeah. it's still to be rescheduled. If Brighton yeah. have got an FA Cup final to look forward to themselves, that, that could come into to play. But I, I take what you're saying there. They'll beat Sheffield United in the FA Cup, so they're going to be in the FA Cup final. It could be an all Manchester affair, although I definitely wouldn't write Brighton off. But you make Man City favourites, whoever they face. And I think they have to be the favourites for the Champions League. We're going to talk about Real Madrid-Chelsea later. I expect Real Madrid to beat Chelsea, but I don't think they're a side that will hold any fear for Manchester City. You've got Napoli, maybe, who are going to come through on the other half of the draw. But again, I would expect City to have too much for them. So they could win the treble, every chance. Uh, Danny, you know what it's like to win three trophies in one season. It wasn't this treble. It wasn't, it wasn't a proper treble, treble was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was a treble, yeah. and there's no disgrace in that. No. Um, just, just, just tell us about the mentality that's required to get over the line in three competitions. Well, you, you have to be unselfish with your mindset. <clears throat> what I mean by that is you have to realise that it's not all about you, so you can't play every minute of every game. That was one thing that put us in good stead, is that we, Julia created a really good group mentality and was very good at managing people, players who weren't, who, ne- who did want to play every week, but couldn't because of the amount of games and it, the importance of substitutes, things like that. So, Hart, you know De Bruyne coming off last night, for example... Yeah, flicking his arm up. Saying, he was fuming. Oh, I don't want to talk he about was fuming, it. and hopefully this morning he thinks, you know what? And Pim and Pep, I'm sure they'll have a chat and they'll get on with it. But you don't need that. You want you want everyone together, everyone on the same page, because you can't play every minute of every game. So that that's one of the things. And and also the old adage of one game at a time. That's all you. Because if you if you start looking too far ahead, which can happen, there are conversations. Of course, the, you'd be naive to think that some Man City players aren't going. You know what? We could win a lot here. You do have those conversations. We did, but we had to pull ourselves back quickly. But I think ultimately it's about having the bravery to keep playing the stuff. You, you know, don't, don't. I don't see the City players playing any differently, whether there's three games to go, two games to go, and the points are level and the goals are level, and they just play the same. And that's they looked the, so fresh as well last night, yeah. didn't they? But they've, they've been there and done like it, Sam, team. haven't they? Yeah, they absolutely have, and they look like they can do it again. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. What a night it was last night for Manchester City fans on Talk Sport. It was a terrific match to be at, I must say. It was brilliant atmosphere as well at the Etihad Stadium. Erling Haaland getting his 45th goal for City this season. He's just his 39th game. It's a record for a Premier League player in all competitions. We'll talk more about him over the course of the next hour. But what has been the reaction in Germany this morning to a 3-0 defeat at the hands of Manchester City. Let's speak to German football broadcaster <coughs> Konstantin Eckner, who joins us live now. Good morning to you. Thanks for coming on the programme. Good morning to you guys. Thanks for the invite. Um, talk to us a little bit about the backdrop to this, because I think we were all surprised, really, when Thomas Tuchel replaced Julian Nagelsmann at Bayern Munich in March, when they could still potentially, at the time, win a treble. One of those cups has now gone by the wayside, and it looks like another one is about to follow. It looks like it, yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the time when Nagelsmann was sacked and replaced by Tuchel, and as you said, a shocking move, uh, I remember that Oliver Kahn, uh, who is one of the chief executives at Bayern these days, uh, mentioned that they saw their season goals 
uh, in danger. And that's why they made the move. Um, of course, when you look at uh, what has happened recently, they uh, were elimin eliminated uh, from the German Cup in the quarterfinals. And also they are on the verge of being, um, yeah, crashing or will be crashing out of the Champions League probably. I mean, looking at yesterday's results. So uh, I guess the season goals are still in danger or they are probably out the window. And also the German Championship is not secured. So um, the let's say from, from the looking from the outside, the entire managerial change hasn't really worked out so far. Uh, what's been the reaction this morning in Germany? Astonishment, I guess, uh, in a sense. I mean, some people expected City to win, which is fair, all right, uh, but not in the kind of fashion they did, especially uh, looking at the second half where Bayern were forced into so many uh, mistakes and made so many mistakes and so many errors, especially at the back. And and that was yeah astonishing to a lot of people who watch Bayern on a weekly basis and usually see them more self-confident, you know, uh, uh, comparing to yesterday when they were really flattered by the entire game and by the pressure coming from City. Are they waving the white flag in Germany? Do you guys give Bayern any chance of turning this around in, in the second leg in a week's time? I usually would, you would not, but uh, interestingly enough, I mean, listening to Thomas Tuchel yesterday and also Oliver Kahn, uh, both made comments and, and showed like kind of the, you know, wi willingness to, or the, the, the will to maybe fight back and, you know, use that, that slim chance they still have. I don't think they will. I mean, a lot of people would, would agree with me that uh, Bayern are probably going out just because the, the margin is so wide. I mean, even if they play a tremendous game, like conceding one goal or maybe conceding two and it's over. I mean, th there's no chance to, to score five against City. However, I, I would at least say that Bayern might uh, or that we might see an um, improved Bayern side because what we usually or what we now see is Tuchel really working on the positional play, on the defensive uh, things and offensive improvements that the team has to show. It's kind of astonishing that Tuchel now starts, you know, in mid in mid April to work on these things. But I think he has the backing of the board um, that they saw that Bayern have really have really flaws in the team, and uh, he has to work on that. Um, Thomas Tuchel is obviously a cracking manager, and he's done a lot of great work elsewhere uh, away from Germany and with Borussia Dortmund uh, prior to coming to Chelsea. Um, but was it an act of self-harm to get rid of a manager who you'd spent 26 million euros in acquiring, putting a lot of money into changing the club in his image, and then all of a sudden, at the first sign of trouble, abandoning the whole project and going down a completely different route? It seems a very odd strategy, especially for a club that was always famed for having such sensible hierarchy. Yeah, but if you look back at the past seven years uh, since Pep Guardiola left, uh, in that seven years, I think they had six head coaches. Um, so it's, it's not it's not like uh, Bayern are the you know the home of steadiness in a sense. Uh, they also like to change uh, the managers. To Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, I guess, <laughs> I, yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, but, but really, look, looking back, I mean, uh, the the successor of Pep Guardiola was Carlo Angelotti. That didn't really work out. Then Nico Kovac, Hansi Flick, Jupp Heynckes, uh, Julian Nagelsmann, and now Thomas Tuchel. They like to change managers. I think in the short term, that that managerial change doesn't work out. It hasn't worked out really. But I think what Bayern have really, or what the board has acknowledged, is we have some we have some shortcomings in this team that it's talented it's highly paid these these players earn a lot of money including Sadio Mane who was just signed last summer uh, but they don't really perform to their fullest and now we need a coach to really bring out the best of these players so Thomas Tuchel came initially or, or suddenly immediately changed a lot of things in in training where where we would say 
Is that really a smart move to do in April or maybe late March? Probably not. But uh, he has kind of the plank check now, the carte blanche, better to say, um, to really do these things. And maybe in the long term, it will work out. Because right now, Bayern have a talented team, but they don't really perform that, that like that. Yeah, I, thank you very much, Constantine. We appreciate you coming on. That's Constantine Egner uh, from <laughs> Germany giving us a view on what the reaction has been this morning to Bayern Munich losing to Manchester City by three goals to nil. Danny, did Liverpool make a very good decision allowing Sadio Mane to go? No, no, no. I thought it was uh, one of those really difficult situations where <clears throat> I could understand why they did. But I, I don't think it was 100% correct either way. I think if they'd have kept him, they'd, they'd still have a wonderful player who's capable of great things. Um, it's and, not worked out particularly well for either party, is it, so far? No, not really. But I'm not one who, I'm not one who believes that Mane leaving has, has been the catalyst for Liverpool's demise this season. I don't, I don't concur with that. I don't think so. I think they'd still be in a world of trouble if he was there, to be honest. But, but he that... hasn't kicked on out there. He hasn't no, he hasn't. The way he but he had a bad injury, Sam, didn't he? The first one he's probably yeah, he had did. in a long time where he's he's been out for a certain amount of games. And he has been... Every player, even the best ones, sometimes need a little bit of adaptation time. Different country, different team, different relationships. He played up front, he played wide. You know, his best years at Liverpool, let's be honest, were playing wide. And then he goes to Bayern Munich, he expects to, expects to pick up where Lewandowski left, left off. I mean, it's a big ask when you don't really... He, he did play up front for Liverpool a fair bit in his last, last season, fair enough, but he's not really an out-and-out -out striker. And then he has to go into Munich, fill the boots with someone who scored more goals than Crookie has hot dinners, so... <laughs> That's um, a lot. <laughs> Before Sam gets in. <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, I, I think it's one of those, isn't it? I'll, I think, I'd be surprised if we didn't see more from Mane next season. Well, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, we've seen a lot more of John Stones this campaign. I wanted to mention Erling Haaland, his record that he set, the monster striker. Pep compared him to Ronaldo and Messi. Is he in that league, do you think, Danny? Well, I think he was only talking about goals. Um, he's not in Messi's league. Well, he's not in either of their leagues yet. Because well, they're, diff he, they're different sort of players, different aren't they? I yeah. mean, they're completely different types of players. He's a, he's a bludgeoning striker. But in terms of... His impact on the game, game and his amazing statistics, is he going to be at that level? Well, there's no reason he, he shouldn't continue to do what he's doing and his goals to games could 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 get somewhere near, but he'd have to be he'd have to be lucky with injury as well. The one thing that people forget about Messi and Ronaldo, apart from their wonderful numbers, is their durability. I mean, people talk about player welfare. If you look at the amount of games Ronaldo and Messi played week in, week out, Champions League, domestic league, Haaland's got to got to do that for another God knows how many years. And he does pick up he does. injuries, doesn't he, as well? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I understand Pep's comparison in terms of, you know, goal involvements and impacts, impact on the game, but Messi's the greatest. Nobody, he ain't done nobody. too bad playing this season, has he? 39 appearances so far this campaign. He's only missed the odd game. Hey, Crook, you're going to love this. Hansi Flick, you know, the German manager. Uh, he was uh, there last night as a summariser for German television, but he uh, didn't have the right pass, so he wasn't allowed in the media room. So it was banned from the media room, which is a shame because the media room at Manchester City does delightful food, as you well does, know. Yeah. Um, saying that, I did burn my uh, mouth on a cheese and onion pie at half-time. It was as hot <laughs> as molten lava. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Um, reports today suggesting that Liverpool are out of the running for Dortmund midfielder Jude Bellingham this summer because of the cost of the move. Uh, if anyone's been listening to TalkSport over the course of the last three or four months, I don't think that you would have been given the impression that Liverpool, Alex Crook, are actually ever really been in the running for him. Have they? Not properly, anyway. No, not in terms of making any formal bid or, or commitment. We know that Jurgen Klopp is a, is a massive fan and actually that at one stage, I think Bellingham was, was quite open to a move to Anfield. Whether that has changed as a result of Liverpool looking like they won't finish in the top four, only he will know. But people I've been communicating with in Germany have suggested for quite some time now that ideally from a Borussia Dortmund point of view, he'll sign a new contract with a release clause, give them one more year and then move on. And that might just suit all parties because I think Dortmund is enjoying his football out there. His mum uh, lives out there with him and he's very close to his mum and his dad. They're going to have a big say on wherever he goes next. I think I'm right in saying actually they probably have more control over his future than his agent. So, yeah, it's not it's not a massive surprise. And actually, economically, from a Liverpool perspective, they don't spend £125 million on, on one-off signings, do they? So it never really well, seems to fit the point, business model. Well, this is the point, isn't it? I mean, the fact is, is that yesterday there was a bit of spin coming out of uh, of Liverpool, which sort of laid the groundwork for this story, you know, because suggesting that any move would cost over £100 million and the club are not considering it as a viable option because basically uh, they, they were... They need to sign at least two midfielders. The size of the rebuild is too high. I mean, the fact is, is it makes you think, they were they ever really in the running for him, Danny? Because as Crook has already illustrated, the, the situation behind the scenes with Liverpool is actually not particularly clear, is it? Because the ownership are looking for fresh investment. There's not a lot of money to spend on new players. And they have got to do a partial rebuild of that squad. Yeah, I mean, I've got no problem with it. You've got to cut your cloth accordingly. You, you, I mean, whether they were ever in or not, or tried to sound it out in terms of a financial deal package. I, I don't know, but it it would seem illogical, really, because it's not how they tend to do things, is go out and buy a superstar for over 100 million. They have they have spent big, of course, in the past on Alisson. Well, they went Van out Dijk. and got Van Dijk and went out and got Alisson. Yeah, but that they? was with and Coutinho money, wasn't it? Most of that was Coutinho money. It's not, you know, they don't, they don't tend to splash hundreds of millions from nowhere. But yeah, I mean, look, they've got to improve and they've got to try and bring in better than they've got, which sounds obvious, but it's not always easy to do. And I would prefer to see two or three come in for the price of one, if the one's going to cost 130 million, for example, 20, 120, 130. Because when you look out there, there are lots of terrific players. 
And if your recruitment's good and if you know what you need and want, you can get it. And I, I'm, I'm never big on players are spending over £100 million on a player anyway. But you did it's, say earlier in the week that you preferred quality over quantity when you were writing about this. Yeah, but I would. what I mean is if you're going to... So you can still get quality for... If you're talking £130 million, now could you get Declan Rice and Mason Mount for that? So two for the price of one. I think hundred million for Rice, isn't it? Still, is what West Ham are looking for. Well, I, I think you're, you're only as you're only worth as much as someone's prepared to pay for you. I think you'd get them two for hundred, hundred and twenty, and then if Bellingham's caught, you've got two for. I'm not saying Bell. I'm not saying Mount or Rice is better than Bellingham, but what I'm saying is mm. you've got two players who do play different roles, and and you've spent the same money. Just just as them two, for example. Should we hear from uh, Jurgen Klopp because um, he's been pretty clear that um, cutting their cloth accordingly is is likely to be the Liverpool transfer policy. Whatever we will do next year will never be enough for, from your point of view, from people's point of view, probably because it's now after the year we play here, it's like we play the season, it's like we could send pretty much all of us and then mixing you through That's, I, for some people, let me say like this. But yes, with smart recruitment, we could we, we will improve. Definitely, that's a plan for recruitment, and in that moment, this the whole thing. We all, it's I, I'm, again, it's a moment of one of these moments where I'm really, it's really not good that I'm not native because I can't explain it better in English. It's just, it's like you you get in this kind of world win, and I'm not sure you and it sucks you in that direction. And all of a sudden, you go, where are we? So that's a little bit the case. But that doesn't mean in the moment you get out, it's clear again. It clears up again. It's not that big. I'm not a worse manager than last year, definitely not. That doesn't mean that the outcome is good enough, not at all, but I'm not worse. And the players are not worse players, they just play worse. It's fascinating to listen to Jurgen Klopp, and actually I spoke to him about a week and a half ago, and he, and he said a similar sort of thing to me, you know, I, I didn't lose my football brain overnight, but he has lost Michael Edwards as a sporting director. He is losing Julian Ward as the man who replaced Michael Edwards uh, last summer. And uh, I wonder whether or not, Crook, the Liverpool being squeezed by the billionaire owners at City, Chelsea and Newcastle, soon to be Manchester United, and the landscape, the financial landscape, has just kicked on further than they're willing to go. Yeah, I still think when it comes to Newcastle, actually, I think they're still cutting their cloth accordingly as well. I'm not sure now. they're going to be quite as big spenders this summer as maybe people expect, even if they do find themselves as looks likely in the Champions League. But certainly uh, when it comes to City, when it comes to Todd Bowley at Chelsea, and even when it comes to Manchester United in terms of spending in the transfer window, Liverpool can't really compete. And I wonder, just listening to Jurgen Klopp there, if that frustrates him. What I'm pretty sure on now, and you mentioned him there, Michael Edwards, I think he timed his departure because he realised that this Liverpool success story was coming to the end of its cycle. This team needed a revamp and maybe there wouldn't be the funds fully do that in the way that he would have wanted to and therefore he decided to get out with his stock high because it's unusual isn't it for a sporting director to leave a club of the stature of Liverpool and he's still not returned to work Michael Edwards so I think there was a little bit of self-preservation there. Danny are you slightly worried that as Crook says this Liverpool success story is coming to an end or is that an overblown criticism of the situation? I think inevitable inevitably there's worry because you don't want to see the club you love fall off being competitive at Champions League and Premier League level because that's what we've strived for for many, many, many years. You know, although you don't win it every year, it's pushing City a point here, 99 point, all this, you know, Champions League final, you win one, you lose one, whatever. That's where Liverpool want to be. Um, so there is there is a concern, I think. 
most supporters after what they've seen because it's not just been a poor it's not just been a little fall away it's been a massive fall off from where they were at last year to nearly winning all four and he said to me he was surprised that it's taken as long as it has to try and turn the tide back everyone's surprised he must be there's there's nobody at Liverpool Football Club who predicted this or saw this coming. And no, nobody who thought that the squad needed such a revamp. Is he lucky, Jurgen Klopp, that he's not come under more scrutiny? When you look at the ridiculous number of managerial departures in the Premier League, was it five wins in 19 yeah, or something 18, like that? Five wins in 18. He said that himself, though. I, when I spoke to him the other week when yeah. he the Chelsea game, he said, look, you know, it could have been me. Yeah, but you earn, you earn the right... Don't you? You earn the right to have have, have an, an area or a time, sorry, in a comfort zone or in a in a position where you're not. He's got history. He's got money in the bank, right? Plenty in terms in terms of credit. How long does that bank. last? If they miss out on the Champions League this season, if well, they start poorly it, next it, season, it lasts till the middle of next season. Yeah, yeah, because ten games I, depends how bad the ten games were. It I, depends I, what happens in the summer, right? With recruitment. Yeah, but I, I think there's look. Jurgen Klopp is not going to sit on his hands. He's, what I mean by that, he's not going to stay at Liverpool and, and go into next season without signing new players, is he? He's not daft. You know, he, he needs to he needs to improve the squad. The key is going to be how much they give him to do that and how big a say he has in the play. I think he's got more say than he's ever had in the players that come in. I think the Liverpool supporters generally, well, nearly to a man and woman, I think that the majority... No, I, I'd say all of the ones I've spoken to, all of them... Yeah want him to have this summer to... It's only the daft Manchester United fans sitting in the corner there who thinks it'd be a good idea to get rid of Jurgen Klopp. I'm just asking the question. Position. Just asking yeah, the question. but you're trying to stir it up. There's no way on this earth that it would be a sensible decision to get rid of a no. manager who has taken you to that many European finals, won you the Champions League and ended the 20-odd year wait for a Premier League title. That, that just seems madness, doesn't it? Liverpool don't operate like that, Danny. No, it's good, but I, it, it is really interesting and fascinating to see who leaves and who comes in. Because sometimes getting players out the doors are, is, is the harder bit. So a lot of those Liverpool players are earning really good money. I know some are out of contract, so they'll obviously go. But if you want to get rid of, say, Keita, you know, obviously he's not done great. He's not, he's not been what people thought he was going to be. How much are you going to get for him? And how much are you going to have to give him to go out the door? Because he's going to be earning a fortune. And actually, you need to free up some of your wage bill at Liverpool. Liverpool can't just amass lots of players and have a huge wage bill that, that when used players that aren't playing. They need to get some money off that wage bill, which they do. Ox will go, probably Milner will go. Yeah. Um, Firmino. Firmino's going, that's a big chunk. Might send one or two of the young lads on loan, free up some space. You've got Fabinho's a question mark at the minute, I'd say, depending on who they Is can Kater get Is not out of contract in the summer? Um... I don't know, Sam, be. actually. I haven't checked that I one. I, I should know, I but I don't. I, I actually one. think... I know I just... I said their names off the top of my head. There's loads of players around Europe you could go and look at and probably feel you can get cheaper. But I do think... think Even though I said them quite flippantly, I do think if you went and got Declan Rice and Mason Mount, that doesn't half look like a different midfield. I think Declan well, Rice wants Champions League football. I think that uh, takes Liverpool yeah, out of the equation. What about point, Ruben yeah. Neves? They've liked him in the past. Wolves expect him to leave this summer. Would, I'm not sure he's athletic enough. He's a great player. He's a really technically gifted player, but I'm not sure he's the powerhouse that Liverpool need. When I you think, think they're of... more interested in the other one at Wolves, aren't they, Matthias Nunez? Yeah. yeah, they like him as well. Yeah, he's more of an attacking player, and he more of a tech. He can glide past people. He's probably one of the few players I've I can think of who can go past players 
so comfortably, a bit like Moussa Dembele. You know, since Moussa Dembele at Tottenham let, did stop playing and he went to China. I've not seen too many midfielders who can just glide past people with that power and that smoothness. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave a review from wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.